You're listening to Real Estate Real Fast. Each episode, we discuss all things real estate, whether that's strategies for investors, ways the average homeowner can maximize profits when selling their home, or understanding market trends and more. Real Estate Real Fast is brought to you by ListingSpark, automated software that takes you through the complete home selling process and sells your home faster, safer, and at a fraction of the cost. All right. We're live, episode 15, Real Estate Real Fast. Thanks everybody for joining us. I'm your host, Aaron Gistel. I'm back after a, a week off. I, I was very fortunate, our director of operations, and her name's Julie Daniels, who runs our customer success team, filled in for me last week. February ate my lunch, man. So I, I took a frozen limb to the face, broke my nose. I got the tail end of my black eyes here, so I had to take a week off. But I'm excited to be back. I'm really super excited about our guest today. I'm going to turn it over to Ryan here in just a minute. But again, for those of you joining for the first time, and this is your first opportunity to listen into real estate real fast, we just talk about everything real estate. We have a emphasis on real estate investments, but we want to talk about what's going on in the market. What are some opportunities that are out there that people are excited to learn about, whether that's different investment vehicles, Airbnbs, STRs, long-term rentals, fix and flips, things like that. And so I'm really excited to bring our guest on today, Ryan Jones. I've known Ryan for quite some time. He's not only in the lender world, but he's in the investment space himself. And so today with Ryan, we're going to talk about some of his own projects that he's got, that he has acquired, he manages, he's he's funded. So we're going to go through a couple different case studies where he's going to walk us through how he found those deals, analyzed them, took them down, and how he's managed them. So before we get started on that, Ryan, I'm going to turn it over to you for a minute. Just kind of introduce yourself, talk about what you've got going on. Cool. Thanks, Aaron. Appreciate you having me on the show. So, hey guys, my name is Ryan Jones. I'm also calling myself my brand name, Home Loan Jones. I'm sure maybe some of you see me around some of the chat groups or networking events. So excited to be on the show. But yeah, so I've been in the mortgage industry almost a decade, started in 2015, started at Quicken Loans, you know, working in the call center, learning the business, banging phones, 600 dials a day. And since then, me and my wife packed up and, and moved to Texas and kind of came here not knowing anybody and just worked. You know, I worked side jobs. I worked secondary jobs while I was doing the mortgage business and just networked and, and built a network through network events and investing and doing flips and stuff like that. So here we are today. I'm now a branch manager for a company that I've worked for for a long time with Security National Mortgage. We have a couple LOs and we're still growing underneath me and uh, also do a lot of hard money and, and DSCR loans on the side as well. So excited to to kind of share some knowledge and what we're doing and and yeah, so... Cool. Thanks for having me on, Aaron. Yeah, man. Really excited to have you. I always love bringing on guests that are obviously in the in the real estate business, but are also kind of out there doing it themselves, because obviously that gives you a extra brand of experience that other people don't have. And so right. it's important to work with people that know what they're doing, especially when it comes to the investment world, because there's I mean, there's just so many things that can go wrong when you're when you're doing an investment deal. And I think our goal here on this podcast and just at Listing Spark, our, our company in general, when we're working with investors is obviously the goal is to have this be an invest investment, maximize returns, try to avoid the pitfalls and the hiccups as much as possible. And so bringing that kind of value to the podcast, I think is always important. So 
We were talking before we got started, you've got some really awesome projects that you yeah. have that are Airbnb, STRs, and there yeah. was one in particular that we were talking about that you've got out in Lago. So I thought the best way to kickstart is I'm just going to turn it over to you. Talk a little bit about that, that property, how you found it, how you took yeah. it down, what you're doing to manage it and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I'm very active on all the investor groups. So whenever I'm looking for an investment opportunity, I start there. You know, I just put out there what I'm looking for. And then you start getting a lot of people reach out to you. So I bought a property in 2000. Actually, it was last year I bought it. Actually, I'm sorry. It was 2021. I bought it late end of the year. I put a post on Investor Underground Austin looking for a flip. You know, I'm looking for flip opportunities and then just kind of let people know, like, this is the areas I'm looking in. Lago was one of them because of, you know, that area is just so unique and it's close to the lake. So I had an investor reach out to me and she is now a good friend of mine, but she, she told me about this property that she had under contract and she just said that she didn't have the bandwidth to take it down or, or finish the project. So she's willing to to sign the contract. So she sent me the information and, you know, once I saw the pictures and I saw the structure of the house, so it is a dome shaped house. So it's very unique. But once I saw it, I was like, I got to see it. So we scheduled an appointment to go view it right away. And once I got there, I was instantly sold because my vision for this property or any property I was going to get was to do the Burr method. I wanted to buy something that, you know, is run down or needs work increase the value on it by doing rehab and then refinance out of that, out of that project. Just for those that don't yeah. know what the Burr method is kind of walk, yeah. walk through what those abbreviations mean. Yeah. So it's buy rehab refinance. So refinance to grow the value and then refinance. So refinance and then rent it out so, and then repeat. So it's B R R R R. So Right. Buy, rehab, refinance, rent, and then repeat. So, so I was able to purchase this property for three forty-five. So I got a really good deal on it. You know, obviously I did all my numbers prior to look into it. Looked at you know what is the the rehab going to cost. So I had a contractor go out there, give me a rough estimate on on rehab costs on what I want it to be, and then also had a couple of my agent partners run comps for me to see what an after repair value would look like. So, so prior to getting into the deal, obviously, you know, always want to do your due diligence to make sure that you can execute that burr method. And so got into it at 345 purchase price. The rehab came out to about 80,000. And then I did my appraisal and the appraisal came in at about 550. So it wasn't a 100% cash out to get all my money, but I think I left about 20 or 30,000 into it, which I'm okay with that, you know, yeah. to get into a unique property like that and then turning it into an Airbnb that's cash flowing almost 100K a year. You know, I've made my money back the first year on it. So, so um, I would have loved to see that appraisal. So I, yeah. I don't even know how you even try to go about valuing a dome on an acre in Lago Vista, but obviously. Yeah. It had to get done, right? So, I mean, if you're getting a loan on it, it's got to get an appraisal. It's got to get some comps. So talk us through, how do you even, do you break out the land as one component and then you try to do the improvements and get kind of guesstimate, okay, what it, you're not going to find another dome. I mean, you're not going to find another comp. It's going to be another dome. So how are you kind of breaking out when you have a really unique property like that? What are some tricks that you're doing to determine that value? 
Yeah. So obviously, you know, the land value was, was one thing. It, it is on an acre, so it's a bigger lot, but we had to, we had to compare it just to, to regular single family homes because the dome aspect of the property is very unique. There is other domes in Austin, but finding a sales comparison was nearly impossible. So, so that appraiser that did the deal, you know, she pointed out single family homes that were on an acre that were very similar in size. So but what was really unique about it too is there's two domes. So one is the main house, which is 2,800 square feet. So it's a three bedroom, two bath with a kitchen. Actually, you had two kitchens, one upstairs, one down. And then there's a breezeway that connects to the second dome that was used before as an office. So there was two office rooms with no closets. And then there's also a full bath. And so they use that more of like as an ADU. So I don't think I got the full square footage that I wanted on that appraisal because of the ADU aspect, but the, the property is like that side of the dome is, can be easily converted into another, you know, real house. So it's framed like, so it's, it's two, it's a 2,800 square foot dome on the other side, same size as the other, but there's like a little space for the rooms, the bathroom, and then there's a huge garage that you can walk into. And there used to be an RV RV door that I recently closed off. And so I'm going to make that into an actual real room. And then there's an upstairs that's already framed out for a bedroom and a full bath. So there's a lot of stuff that I can add to it that I haven't been able to get to yet, but I'm slowly working on increasing that square footage. So eventually once it's all complete, I'll have five, actually one, two. So four bedrooms. So six, seven bedrooms and three full baths. So, and a huge, I guess you would call it game room or living space. So it's, it's a, it's an insane setup and there's a lot to do there still. So, but it, it, it was probably one of the best purchases of my life. Yeah. Out of, you know, I've, I've only bought maybe 10 properties total in my life, but this one yeah. has been the best. So, well, what I love about that is a couple of things about it is, you know, you're out of the urban core. So you're kind of yeah. in the outskirts of town. Lago Vista is kind of a cool little town because it's, yeah. it's close to the lake. It's a, it's kind of like a staycation getaway for a lot of people that are in Austin or coming to Austin. They have, events out there that are on the lake. So it's a really awesome spot for STRs. I've talked to a lot of other investors and we've had another one on the podcast that talks about going out of their way to try to find properties that are not in the urban core of the city, because it's, it's really hard right now to, to just find deals, whether you're in Austin, DFW, Houston. I mean, if you go really in the core of the city, you've got to put in so much work to make sure the numbers work, that it can be really challenging to find a deal. So this was like a diamond in the rough that's on the outskirts of town. That's kind of probably set up perfect to be a short-term rental and yep. you can still continue to do improvements. You've probably got other opportunities for that thing to grow in value and refinance right. out of it again in the future. And so I, I think that's super important. One, one of the other things that I didn't want to gloss over is how you found that deal. So, I mean, Investor Underground, for anybody listening that's in the Austin area, if you haven't checked it out, I've, I've been a member on Investor Underground really for almost as long as we've had listing spark. I mean, Investor Underground has been around for, gosh, I think close to 10 years. And so there's thousands of investors and other real estate professionals in that group. 
you see posts on there scrolling through all day long, not just deals, but just people talking about good experiences with other investors they're working with or contractors or bad experience. It's just a great way to connect and learn and, and network. And yep. so I think that's that's an awesome example of how you can find a deal just by getting yourself in the right networking groups and kind of putting yourself out there. And then you've you've worked with wholesalers as well. I know you we were talking a little bit about finding some opportunities that are subject to right now. Yeah. And uh, I think that's going to be a really vital part of the investment ecosystem for the next probably year, year and a half. Well, rates are still kind of settling into where they might end up long term. So, you know, sub two deals is you got somebody that bought a house maybe two, three, four years ago when the rates were in the in the threes or low fours, and they've got to get out of the house, but maybe the equity is not exactly where they want it to be. So you're purchasing that prog- property subject to them leaving the underlying financing in place. You're essentially inheriting the low interest rate. And that's how it's a great way to, for you to pick up a long-term property that you're going to hang on to that's got a great interest rate. And for them, it's a great opportunity because they get out from underneath the deal. They've got somebody else taking over their payments and they get to kind of move on down the road. I I think we're going to be seeing a lot of creative financing happening. We're already we're already seeing it on our listings right now. So we've got just over 500 listings right now in every different stage of the process, whether that's active pending or whatever. And we get probably, gosh, at least 20, 30 offers a day that are offering creative financing to a seller that may be on the market for a long time, that they're saying, I'll buy your place, but you gotta, you, you know, it's subject to you leaving the underlying mortgage in place, or I want you to owner finance me a portion of it or, or something like that. So we're seeing, we're seeing more and more of that lately. So I think that's a perfect segue into, let's talk a little bit about what we're seeing going on in the market. So it's been yeah. a little bit of a brutal week this week on, on rates. What are you starting to see? Let's talk about maybe what we might be looking out for for the rest of this year. Yeah. So, you know, mortgage rates are are interesting. They're always geared towards what's going on in our economy, what's going on in the world. So, you know, the past week we've seen a, a pretty, it's been a bloodbath to say the least. I mean, we've lost over 200 basis points in, in, in the market since last week, since actually the sixth. So rates were really good prior to the six and then we lost 200 bips. So if you got a quote, let's say anytime before February 6th, that same exact interest rate right now is going to cost you about two points more in, in, in pricing. So, and what that means is you're going to pay 2% in discount points for that same exact rate right now. So it's pretty brutal. Now, do we know what's going to happen in the future? We can forecast it, but we can't really say. We're, you know, it always bounces back, like I talked about with Aaron earlier, but it's tough to say where we're going to be. I think we're going to probably see a pretty tough year with interest rates overall, but I think that it has to come back to normal eventually. So we're hoping that April timeframe is what we're forecasting to see it's kind of some normalcy. So, yeah. It seems like everybody I talked to, the, the opinion kind of changes by the day. So yeah. we were starting to see a ton of, and it hadn't completely gone away. It, we've been starting to see signs of life on the listing side of things. So we saw a, a huge uptick at the end of January and into February on everything from showings to offers to executed contracts. We're still starting to see that. I know for us, 
what we're just trying to do is spend a lot of our time and energy on education to our our clients and our sellers because it is the norm now for you to see a number listed in section 12 of the contract and in in a trek contract here in texas that is seller paid closing costs right and so when we hit it when we run a bad week like you talked about it's costing two points to get the same rate we were at a week prior a buyer's not going to want to pay that so they're going to they still may want your house but they're going to want you to help them out on getting a rate that's going to work for them to get the deal done and so it's about understanding where we're at in the market I do think we still have a lot of pent up demand because that demand doesn't just disappear or go away. Some of those buyers exited the market and they leased houses, but rental rates are crazy too right now. So, I mean, a lot of these buyers are still out there. I think where we're at, I've talked to a lot of people that feel like if we're not there yet, we're pretty close to the bottom and we're starting to kind of tick back up. And I am seeing that. I think a lot of, a lot of properties have shed the value that they're going to shed. And we're starting to stabilize, maybe not go back up yet, but we're starting to see a little bit more signs of life than we saw last year in Q4 of last year, and even the beginning of the year this year in January, where it was just, it was a, it was a bloodbath out there. It was such a light switch from where we were a little bit over a year ago to where we were now. And it was really tough to be a seller, but I could say February has been a lot better from what we've seen. We're, we're seeing a lot of sellers that's patience is finally paying off. If they could hold off, if they didn't have to sell and they could afford to kind of carry their note in, they were rewarded a bit this month and getting that offer they'd kind of been waiting for for a while. So I, I think there's a lot to be optimistic about come summertime. I think we're in a phase of acceptance of where we're at in the market and where we're at with rates. And so buyers are understanding if I want to be a buyer in this market, my interest rate is going to have a six on it probably this year. And if I want to get in a house, I have to come to accept that fact. I have to negotiate and offer accordingly to make sure it matches up with my budget. And if I'm a seller, you need to understand that's what a buyer is is dealing with is that they're going to have an ugly interest rate and they're probably having to pay points to even get that ugly interest rate. And so be prepared to have some of that spill over into your contract and into your negotiations. So yeah, that's that's kind of what we're seeing in the market right now. And, and I think we're, what's important is for those investors that have been kind of banking on their business being fi- you know fix and flips, it's tough because it's a it's a tough time to know what the right move is. Should you park your money in a long-term investment, rent it out for a year, two years, and then maybe sell it then? Should you go the Airbnb route? Let's let's kind of talk a little bit about that. Yeah. What are you seeing? You're tied into a bunch of different investors. Are you seeing strategies changing? Are you seeing people shifting gears? Yeah, you know, houses are sitting. So it's been it's been tough for flippers from what I've been hearing we're getting a lot of refinance calls. So I, I know rates are higher, refinance has slowed down, but for me, working with tons of investors, I'm doing a tons of refinances. People are trying to get out of their hard money loans, their high interest notes. And the consensus is, you know, they're looking for plan B and they're gonna wait until the market cools off and turn it into a rental. And so, you know, we've had people that are, are going long-term route or, and a lot of people are going short-term route. Obviously, short-term rentals are very popular right now. And so a lot of people are, are wanting to try it out. So a lot of refis right now, 
it's tough to be a flipper from what I'm, what I'm hearing. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think this is the first time in a long time where your success as a real estate investor who's doing flips is going to be a hundred percent on your purchase price, right? Because you're going to really start making your money when you buy, not when you sell right now. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of sellers out there right now though, that are, exhausted with the process. They're ready to move on with the next chapter of their life. They're ready to get in the next home. They've kind of conceded to the fact that I may not get out of my house that I'm selling what I really wanted, but this is a prime opportunity for me to go buy at a great price and a great deal. And so they're actually very motivated to get out of their house and kind of get their great deal on their next house, whether even that's a trade up, relocating to a different state. So, I mean, I think all hope is not lost. There's still definitely a lot of deals out there. And there's a lot of sellers that are quite frankly, just getting that are tired, right? Their house has been on the market for six months, nine months. If you listed your house starting kind of in June or July of last year, there's a chance you're still on the market because, you know, we went through the whole second half of last year. And if you were overly optimistic on your price, then it's, there's a chance you kind of had to end up chasing down the market. You maybe you started too high and you're still sitting. So there are opportunities that are out there. It's just coming down to, making sure that you've got a plan B when you're structuring your deal, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing I wanted to add too is, you know, lenders are starting to, us lenders, we're starting to build programs to help with interest rate reductions. So, so they've, we've created a couple of different programs that are buy down programs that can help alleviate a higher interest rate. So the consensus I'm hearing too, on a lot of buyers, they're starting to understand that rates are higher. And so, from what I hear on day-to-day phone calls with clients and interest rates is I know that the interest rate's high right now and I'm willing to take that on. I'm just going to bank on a refinance in the future. Yeah. And so we started adding programs like the 2-1 buy-down program or the 3-2-1 buy-down program, which helps our borrowers lower their interest rate for the first couple of years. So I'll give a quick example. So 2-1 buy-down I've done a couple of those in the past month. It's 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 a program that will reduce your interest rate for the first two years. So year one, if you take advantage, you can see a reduction of 2% on your interest rate. So if we locked you in at 6% today, once you close your first mortgage payment for the first year is going to be at a 4% note rate. So you'll see a lot of savings there. Buys you time from, from having a higher payment, higher interest rate. And then year two, it adjusts to the 1% reduction. So it goes up to 5% for that year. And then year three goes into the normal no rate. But the goal for that is, you know, banking on a refinance. There's no prepayment penalties. So so if rates go down and you're in that two on buy down, you're going to have an opportunity to, to lower your interest rate to a, a fixed note rate that's lower. So, and the great thing about that program too is the seller pays for it. So if it's negotiated in the contract that you can get the concessions to cover the buy down, the seller pays for it. So it's a great incentive and sellers are starting, like you said, Aaron, to get a little bit desperate and they're willing to work with buyers and give those closing costs with a full offer most of the time. So, so it's been a great program and it's helped a lot. Yeah. It's helped get people off the fence. Yeah, those are those are super popular right now. We're seeing a ton of those come through the line. I think one thing to point out too that we're seeing a lot of right now is the appraisal world is all over the place right yeah. now, right? So it's been a very long time since we saw list price up here and then final close price right here. So 
we've got these deals and you know if you've got your house listed on the market you're looking at your neighborhood really really closely and you're just hoping that every other house in your neighborhood if it goes pending that it's selling for close to its asking price unfortunately a lot of them aren't right so i mean we'll go in and we'll see an original list price and the final sales price be a hundred thousand dollars difference and what we all have to understand is that you know an appraisal it's going off the close price right and so the market is going to do this constant balancing act and try to recalibrate based on values moving up and down. Right now they're moving down. Mm -hmm. So as you know, people are dropping their prices and they're slashing their price to take an executed contract. And we're seeing that final close price come in. We can still see some dropping in values in neighborhoods in real time while your property or your deal is going on. So I think right now, Sellers are also having to deal with buyers coming back, you know, two to three weeks into the deal and the appraisal is short and they, we've got to negotiate another 10, $20,000 to make the deal work. And sometimes you're able to get it done. Sometimes you got a buyer who's willing to bring a little extra cash to the table if they're far enough down the line and they love the house. Other times it just kills the deal and you go right back to the drawing board and you kind of go back on the market and hope you get a couple comps that start to to boost up. But right now what's tough is, you know, you've got sellers that are still sitting on the sideline that want to sell, but are waiting on the market to come back. So a lot of the sellers that are listing right now either just have to sell for some reason, or other, you, you know, it's a, it's a life change, job relocation, divorce, whatever they've got to sell. So they're on the market. Others are investment properties that are flips or people trying to get, get out from under them. And, that is changing values in the neighborhood in real time. And so it's going to be interesting over the next couple of months, what's going to happen on the micro level in each one of these different neighborhoods, because three or four houses can change the entire pricing dynamic yeah. of a neighborhood. And it can happen just like that, man. It can happen over the span of a month. If you get three or four bad comps in a row, those start killing a bunch of the appraisals and you need a few higher sales to kind of pick everything back up. So we're seeing that as well. So kind of be prepared that you're not just sweating out your option period and your inspections, which by the way, buyers for the first time in a long time have blood in the water. So the inspections are looking more negotiations happening. Let's just say that. I mean, they're, they're taking every opportunity they can to drive the price down for good reason. They've gotten beat up for the better part of a decade. And so it's their turn to start doing some of the punching. And so you've got those two big hurdles, right? You got to get through the inspection and the renegotiation process there. And we've got to get through the appraisal as well. So that's, that's what we're seeing in the market. It sounds like you're seeing a little bit of the same. Yeah, we are uh, we're fighting with appraisers every day, man. It's, it's crazy yeah. still. Yeah. These appraisers uh, are relentless too. I mean, they're not, they don't budge, not, right? Not so, easy. Yeah. They're not easy right now. So. I find the ones, if you can give them a very, if you can be proactive with it, with a good appraiser, you can provide them information up front. Yeah. They're willing to receive information from you. If you have comps that you want to give them, if you have information about the house, you want to give them up front. They're trying to make their job as easy as possible. They've got a job to do. And if you can give them information that helps, they're more than willing. Where it gets problematic is when you got to fight them after the fact, right? Because yeah. what appraiser out there wants to admit that they're wrong. And yeah the lender is going to trust the appraiser. They're not going to trust the buyer. They're not going to trust the seller. They're not going to trust the people that are screaming, trying to make the deal work. They're going to trust the guy that has no skin in the game. That's, you know, paid a, the same rate on every deal to just 
say what the home's worth. So be proactive with appraisers. Try not to be as reactive. Do the best you can up front to give them all the information you can. So I can't believe we're already at the 30 minute mark. And I know you've got some meetings lined up before we get into Q&A at the end, which by the way, if you're joining us live, if whether you're on YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, if you want to chat in, myself or Ryan are available to answer any questions you have towards the end of the podcast. Let's talk about some loan products that are out there that some, whether it's an investor, whether it's just your average person may not be used to. We talked a little bit about the two one. What are some yeah. other products out there you're working with right now? Yeah. So I wanted to go back to the Burr method. So Fannie Mae just made an announcement at the beginning of this month that they are going to change the cash out rule for any property. So, or for investment properties in general. So this is, this is something that we talked about with the Burr method. So when I did my Burr, I did a conventional loan and, you know, I had to wait six months to get of cash out, but there's a six month seasoning, but come April 1st, Fannie Mae is now changing their guideline to a 12-month seasoning. It's going to put some hurt on a lot of Burr investors. But the good news is DSCR lending, so debt service coverage ratio loans, it's a commercial loan. If nobody knows, if you don't know what that is, we, we qualify off rental income. So as long as the rents cover the mortgage payment, then you would qualify for that loan product and you can close it in your entity name that's still going to be at a six month seasoning. So conventional loans are out on, on investments for a while. And, and people are going to have to start resor resorting to the DSCR loan if they want to do the burn method. So I want to throw that out there because it's a huge announcement and it's going to change a lot of things. But DSCR loans are becoming very popular for investors. There's no income requirements. There's no documents. We literally do an appraisal. We look at value. We look at a rental analysis, whether it's short-term rental or long-term rents. And as long as the rents cover the mortgage, you qualify for the loan and you, you close in your entity's name. So you're going to personally guarantee the loan. We're going to pull your credit, look at your, you know, FICO scores, that's what's going to determine your interest rate and all that. But when we close the loan, we're closing the mortgage in the entity's name and we're closing title in the entity name. So you won't see it affect any personal liability. Got it. So we're that's probably going to or more of the DSCR loans on the Burr method. Yeah. It's just to kind of unpack what you're talking about on kind of the Fannie Freddie stuff. So yep. essentially what you're saying is before we had a six month cliff where you essentially had to own the property, you couldn't refinance in, in less than a six month period. And now you're saying they're pushing that out to 12 months. Yeah. And the problem is most of these hard money loans, they, they come due between six and 12 months. That's right. right? Yeah. You very dangerous. Even on a 12 month loan, you got to time it exactly perfect, which is um, problematic. Let's just exactly. say something you, know, yeah. you want to do. Okay. So, uh, man, that's great info. So, so any cash out refinance. So if you want to do a rate and term, that's different. So right. just keep that in mind, but it's cash out refinance that they're changing the rule on. So which is kind of important for the Burr method, right? Because the, the the process is the goal is you're putting a bunch of money in and you want to try to get that money out. So then That's you right. can roll it into the next deal. So as long as you're not pulling any money out, you could still potentially find some other ways to refinance that are a little bit more conventional. Correct. So okay. DSCR lending is going to be the key for a lot of investors. Got so it. if anybody wants to learn about DSCR, we, we specialize in those we work with multiple lenders, so have some really great products. I mean, the interest rates on DSCRs are actually starting to get down into the 6 and 7% range, surprisingly. Awesome. Awesome. So that's a good segue. 
how can everybody get a hold of you, Ryan? Yeah, so you can get get a hold of me. Obviously, my cell phone. Call me directly at 512-537-7109. That's my cell phone. Or you can visit my website, which is homeloanjones.com. And that'll that'll take you to my company website. And it has all my information, email, and all that. So if you guys want to email me, ryan.jones at snmc.com. And uh, yeah, man, thank you, Aaron. I appreciate you you bringing me on the show today. Yeah, man, we've got a couple questions real quick. I know we, well, we've yeah. got to get off here in a minute, but Ellen had a quick question about how do where do we see interest rates looking at this summer? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, obviously, if we had a crystal ball, we we could really gear that, but it's really tough to say, you know, where we're going to go. Like, well, there's a lot of stuff going on in this world right now, you know, with Chinese balloons and train wrecks and, and the in Ohio. So, you know, it's tough to say, Ellen. I, I would love to see interest rates start dipping into the fives and and be just comfortable in the 5% range, maybe even the fours with a 15-year. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's tough. I mean, are we, are we going to war? You know, yeah. that, that's a huge factor. There's a lot of tension between us and China and, and Russia and Ukraine and the world. So, and, and that's going to play a huge role on what happens in our economy and interest rates. I think we all had some optimism that we might at some point in the year have some rates with some fives on them. You know, there's, I think there's a shot for that, but I think everybody just kind of needs to hang on, understand yeah. that this year we've got to make the market work with what we're dealing with right now. And I think that's going to cost some volatility. I think what we've been really battling with is we've got so much craziness happening in the world. Then you compare that with being in the off season of real estate, getting through the winter, coming into the first quarter of the year. So, you know, I think a lot of people feel like they're just kind of waiting around for summer, which tends to be a little bit of a hotter time in the market and hope that's going to juice yeah. some of the, some of the numbers. And, and I think market sentiment is another big factor as well, right? It's just how do people overall feel about what's going on in the housing market? Where are we at when it comes to inflation? Where are we going to end up when it comes to the unemployment numbers and layoffs and things like that? So I think the best advice right now is work with what you've got right now. Understand that we can all hope for optimism, but we've got to start working through some complicated, uh, complicated market and advise clients, customers, investments accordingly. So one thing I didn't talk about, Aaron, too, I just want to throw out there is HELOCs have actually been very popular too. So home equity line of credit is is a loan where you can take out a second lien on your property. So if you have a primary home here in Texas and you have a ton of equity and you want to access that money, a HELOC is is a great vehicle to to access that money if you want to invest in something or do rehab or you can do whatever you want with the money. But yeah. I wanted to throw that in there because I've been getting a lot of requests for it. And, uh, and we're doing a lot of those types of loans. So. And so like on a HELOC, you can, let's say you keep your existing property, you keep that low interest rate you got if you bought back in, you know, let's say 2017, 2018, you keep your prime rate that you've got, you do a home equity yep. line of credit for a, a higher rate where rates are right now. And then, yep. yeah, you can do whatever you want with that, right? You can rehab right. your house, you yeah. can turn around, you can use that to buy an investment property. That could potentially be yep. the down payment on your next house and you can hang on to your existing home as a long-term rental or as a as an str so i i have also been hearing a lot of sellers start looking at that option if they are looking to kind of get out of their home but they don't want to they don't want to get their house listed on the market and try to battle 
with what's going on in the market. So that's a good point as well. I think that's a good option for people out there that are just not ready to let go of their property or are not able to get yeah. their property. Yeah. And that's another thing that I did. I, I took a HELOC on my primary and and I bought investment that tried to hold, you know, I, I, I did the burn method, but unfortunately I bought at the peak sure. at the time. And when we went to go do the appraisal, comps in the area were already starting to decline. So yeah. we weren't able to ex- execute a full burr, but, but we were able to get some money back. So, but yeah, you buy investments, do whatever you want with that money. So it's, it's a great vehicle. Love it. All right, Ryan. Well, I really appreciate your time. That was some awesome info. Thank you. I, I, yeah. I might have to rent out the dome one day, get, get some family, get out there. That sounds like an awesome property. I, I, I'm yeah. sure my kids are yeah. you let that me was know. a cool experience too. So I appreciate you dropping some knowledge on everybody. And uh, guys, thanks again for joining us. This was episode 15. We we typically go live Wednesday, Thursday throughout the week. We try to go once a week if possible. And really appreciate everybody's support and tuning in. If you caught the tail end of this and you want to listen to the whole episode, you can find us on Apple and Spotify as well. And we've got our whole catalog of, of episodes on there. And just really appreciate everybody's support. Thanks again, Ryan. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. All right, buddy. Thanks for listening to this episode of Real Estate Real Fast. If you're a homeowner or real estate investor, you should go check us out at listingspark.com. You can find tips for improving and selling your house, comparing properties, listing your home on the MLS, and even sign up for the live show of Real Estate Real Fast. We typically go live on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central. Go check us out at listingspark.com.